from Melbourne and Minneapolis. This is for Christ's sake. Chapter 18. She wore tight white slacks and a loose-fitting purple print blouse. Her hair was piled carelessly on her head. In one hand, she held a large beach towel. Hello, and welcome to the show. Uh, my name is Hunter, and I'm joined by my stalwart companion, Hugh, if I can call you that. You can. Hello. And this is the podcast called For Christ's Sake, where we uh, sift through the works of Mike Crichton, chapter by chapter. Uh, today we have for you another steaming hot, piping hot chapter of the interminable novel <laughs> Scratch Blood, uh, and this is the 18th chapter of said novel. Uh, I got with me today uh, my signature drink, my signature snack, which is of course the uh, sort of the third, if there's a triangle, one of the ends being me and one of the other ends being you, the third end is our signature drink of snacks. I got with me a blood orange screwdriver, which you can hear, and also a bag of delicious salt and vinegar potato chips. What is accompanying you on this voyage of self-discovery, you know? uh, I have a uh, residual amount of blood red port and uh, three remaining pretzels. Are you going to have to buy a, uh, another bottle of it? <laughs> no, I'm going to make it last. <laughs> nice. I don't think it's worth spending another cent on this novel. So. Well, you're going to have to buy grenadine. That's true. Beyond that. And grenadine's an investment more than anything. Uh, yeah. All right. So what happened in Chapter 17? Well, um, Carr was captured by Lissau and co, interrogated. Um, and then he revealed to Lissau, inadvertently or somewhat advertently, that Pirani was a, a bad dude. Even among these other bad dudes. He was a bad dude for the bad dude. So they had him killed. Carl mm. um, was instructed uh, that he was able to do whatever he liked while he was a guest of Lissau, but it's going to be a bit of an issue if he wanted to leave. Mm. So he's going to hang around for a few days. Um, so he explores the, the grounds and finally he meets up with Anne while he's enjoying a vodka and lime by the pool. That's where we rejoin our heroes. Our heroes being Michael Crichton and John Lane. Hugh, uh, I think that we... Love this book. <laughs> no, no. I think that, uh, there, you know, the last chapter wasn't great, but it was at least a little exciting, right? Mm -hmm. At least we got the resolution to the exciting cliffhanger at the end of chapter 16. Mm. But I'm, I'm so happy to report that this chapter moves... Straight back into boredom. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and uh, let's just get into it, shall we? 
Uh, do I remember anything that happened in this chapter? Nothing happens in this chapter. I mean, I could, I could finish this episode in two minutes. No, no, that's not the, uh, that's not the project day plus. Oh, that's not the for Christ's sake way though. I guess not. So the main thing that happens in this chapter is that Anne gets a chance to explain herself after seemingly betraying the love of her life, Roger Carr, by delivering him into the arms of the evil Dr. Lissau. Mm. Even though he's not that bad, he's got a nice mansion, he's got a good chef, nice grounds. Uh, but he forgives her pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, he gets over his anger very... In short order. So as as we already anticipated long ago, she was linked to Lissau. She's there kind of against her will. Mm. So she was at one point uh, betrothed to Mr. Lissau, Dr. Lissau. Mm. Um, but she called it off because uh, she was a little uh, skeptical of um, his business dealings, I guess, which she didn't initially know about and then realized that, you know, he was into some shady shit. She saw him carry out a body um, at one point, and uh, she announced that she wanted to. She didn't want to marry him. She wanted to leave, and he essentially didn't let her leave um, by having her followed and making her life difficult and such. To the point where she's just too scared to leave, even if she had the chance. Mm-hmm. That explains that. And we also learned that she didn't want car to go all the way in the mansion she tried to get him to turn his car around before it got into the the grounds and then to tell Lissau that uh you know he was in a bad mood and he refused to come in with me Mm. um but you know car was too stubborn and he sealed his own fate yeah i mean i guess that's what you could call it he's an idiot too All right, um, that's it. Um, we do get oh, another revelation okay. <laughs> here. Uh, the mysterious Ferrari that gestured mm. towards um, Anne earlier on in Cannes is actually Lissau's Ferrari, not Victor Jennings' Ferrari. Mm. Victor Jennings is mentioned in this chapter, however, and uh, Anne explains to Carr information that we already knew because we've read the book so far. So that was kind of pointless. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be a lot of that in this, this book so far. But uh, Carr has a flash of insight when he's trying to, to put the puzzle pieces together. And he realizes that the, the, the dirty Frenchman who's stank of garlic and whose finger he was later sent, um, maybe he was a mechanic. So maybe he's linked to um, Victor Jennings somehow mm. because he was dirty. So go figure. Yeah, that uh, makes sense to me, I guess. Yep. Um, okay. <laughs> what else happens? Anything? They have some shitty banter. They have intercourse. <laughs> I guess that's not till the end. That's the end of the chapter. Anything you wanted to highlight? <laughs> uh, to be honest, no. I, thought, I like the part that... Um, that Victor Jennings has like six wives or something like that. I thought that was pretty funny. Mm. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, oh, we should mention that LaSalle is planning on fleeing to Hong Kong. I don't know if you already said that or not. Mm. 
That's his in game. Yeah, I don't know really know why he would do that. Um, but you know, all, all the all the better to him. I feel like you know he could go to Hong Kong in the '60s, invest his money in the film industry, and uh, you know, seems like a pretty good idea to me. I presume his plan is that once you know, once they have completed their plan and killed a whole number of people in order to elude capture. Mm-hmm. That's easier done from a foreign country. That's true. Um, especially one that has like weird diplomatic status like Hong Kong. Escape to a, a British colony. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, so the main thing is in terms of what's going to happen to our two protagonists next. Um, car reasons, uh, you know, maybe... Lissau will be good to his word and let us go after a few days. And they're like, yeah, I hope so. Mm. <laughs> That's basically their plan. Yeah, that seems about right. Um, <laughs> I had to uh, guess if, uh, what's going to happen with this novel. It's definitely that uh, Lissau is going to let them go free. And then that's it. I mean, like, there's, there's a moment where um, Carr asks and what do you think they're going to do with me? Mm. And she gets offended. She's like, you only think about yourself? But I thought his question was quite reasonable, given that he's, like, speaking to the person who got him into this mess. But And she knows what she's doing. I think that's a reasonable question, like, because, like, her fate could be very different from his own. So it's reasonable to ask, what what, what do you think Lissau's direct plan is with me? Yeah. And again, like, her, her status is, like, set. She's, like, his kept woman or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was a little off, too. Oh, there is something else I wanted to mention, actually, that follows on from something we discussed in the last episode about exactly what Lissau was up to. Was he just kindly fixing his nose? Yeah. Or w- was he doing something more? And, and we get this mention of um, the codeine pills that he has supplied Carr with to relieve the pain as necessary, right? Mm. And in this chapter, he starts, he starts feeling a bit of pain in his nose, but he's out on the grounds, like he's forgotten about his pills. So he's kind of drinking the vodka and lime to to dull the pain. Yeah. And then um, the last line of the chapter is, after they start embracing, he didn't notice his nose for the rest of the morning because they were fucking, right? Took his mind off things. But I was wondering if, like, there was something suspicious about the pills. I, I didn't really get that vibe. And, like, fortunately... Again, another instance of sort of dumb luck. Carr has decided against taking mm. the pills, or it distracted himself. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I, I guess I could buy that happening. Again, I didn't really figure it because I'm just. I'm just so checked out at this point. But I'm just assuming there's a reason for some of these details that are in the novel, um, and maybe that's you know naivety on my part because there were a lot of like loose threads at the end of Odds On. So, mm. <laughs> and I'm assuming um, Crichton wrote these, you know, at a at a fair clip. Back to so. back. Yeah, yeah. So it could just be like empty signifiers that don't mean anything. Yeah. At the end of the day. But like he set them up with an intention to pay them off at some point, but just forgot. <laughs> Do we have anything else? I guess, you know, we've, nope. we've gone pretty short here. So uh, we can pop on a tape of Crichton if you uh, feel up to it. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe he'll add something to, to pad this chapter out a little bit. Uh, I, I think we increasingly need his perspective on, on this particular novel. All right. Well, I think uh, this this is a pretty good um, pretty good uh, summation of uh, I think uh, what he's going for here. All right. Time for sight and Crichton. That plot twist got a shook. Why did he write this book? 
scientists can be charged just as Galileo was charged. I just never thought I'd see scientific American in the role of Mother Church. Is this what science has become? I hope not. But it is what it will become unless there is a concerted effort by leading scientists to aggressively separate science from policy. That's that's all uh, that that tape had on it. Something to think about. And uh, with that, uh, with the master's words, we bid you adieu. Adieu. Oh.